Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. This week, Gail and I thought that we would give a little thought to book awards, specifically the National Book Awards, since they're searching for a winner for that as we speak. And I know like I've had different relationships over the course of my of the history of my reading life with book groups, I mean book book awards. So we wanted to take a look at what are the offerings on this list. Um, I looked a little bit as who puts them together and who makes the choices and you know, are these are these good places to get book ideas? Yeah. Um, I have sort of mixed feelings about book awards. Well, I'm going to separate out book awards from year-end lists, because I think those are two different things. Yeah. They are. The year-end lists, we're about a month and a half away from those, and they're going to start pouring in. Oh, no, we're not a month and a half away. I, I Month. Beginning of November. Yeah. I feel like middle of November. I mean, I've already seen... Like in October, I just saw a rash of lists that were sort of like the best of the <laughs> the best of 2018 so far, which I think we did like a roundup of those mid mid um, yeah. year. Um, so I think that people are already gearing up towards the, those, and maybe next week we'll start talking about what we've seen on the best of year list so far because I think it's going to be I think it's pretty easy to tell by now what a lot of people will have. I think Florida is going to be on so many lists. Yeah. It'll be Florida and American marriage. I think the great believers by Rebecca Mackay. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about the book awards before that. We have a few announcements. Gail, why don't you tell us about the Facebook group? Yeah. So um, Nicole and I have a Readerly Report Readers Facebook group, and we would love for everyone who listens to our show to join that group. And it's our hope that that will be a good place for a book discussion. Um, if you're listening to our podcast, then you like the types of books that we talk about and that we read. So we'd love to cultivate a community of like-minded readers who share similar overlapping taste in books and want to talk about those books. There are already definitely give us more recommendations. Yes. Tell yes, us what we should be It's a reading. great way to hear. Um, I'm a member of some other book groups on Facebook book or book. Uh, yeah. Groups. <laughs> and they're, they're really vibrant and there's lots of people in there and I learn something every day. I learn about a new book. So um, we'd love to continue that over on the readerly report page. So search for um, the Readerly Report group and you just have to request to be admitted and we'll hit accept and you'll be part of it. And we really look forward to connecting with our listeners over there. Um, And if you have friends who like to read, maybe they don't listen to the show or they aren't podcast people, but if they're on social media and they're using Facebook, please enjoy um, invite them to join as well, because we'd love to have more people there. And, uh, make it as vibrant a place as possible. Um, Also, one thing that we are are doing, you know, like a lot of times I mention the show notes 
that usually go up on the blog at some point once a week. Um, so now I'm doing a newsletter list where you can actually get the show notes and the show to your inbox. And so the readerly report is set to go. It usually goes up at around midnight or on Thursday. So that it's there for you at your Thursday morning and you can um, get a bunch of book recommendations and prepare for the weekend. But I usually edit and post the podcast on Tuesdays is usually when I have my editing day and I get it up. So if you're subscribed to this newsletter, you'll get the link early. And if you want to listen to it, you know, on Tuesday, as opposed to when it comes out on Thursday, if you're signed up for that, then it'll be available for you. And so in order to get on that list, you can just go to the readerlyreport.com. And I think um, I'll put it under newsletter sign up, and then you can just sign up there. If you want to get access, early access to the show notes with a list of the books that we've discussed, a link to listen to the podcast. Gail, what have you been reading lately? Yeah, so I'm kind of still at the same stuff I was before because I'm in the middle of moving. And so unfortunately, my reading time has really been cut down. So I'm um, listening to Red Clock still, and I'm reading um, Unknown Girl. And they're both fine. I wouldn't say either one of them is like sucking me in. Um, although there's very little right now that could get, get capture my attention. I was to say, are you just too distracted? I'm just really distracted. Yeah. So I'm hoping once I'm in the new house and more unpacked and I can actually do some reading that I'll get back to some other stuff where book club is about to read a cloud in the shape of a girl, which comes out next week. <laughs> so that'll be our, our October, November read. Um, Speaking of book clubs, we're working on something really excited for 2019 for the Readerly Report in terms of having an in-person and online book club where if you are either in D.C. where Gail is or New York where I am, you can come to a book club with us and then we can also pipe in any of our listeners who can't make it in person. So, but I'm also... I think it would be a really good idea. And, you know, from people I've discussed, I feel like it's something that would really work and I'm really interested in doing, which means I'm going to do it anyway. But if you could send me an email, um, just say, Nicole, I can go to book club and then just put New York or DC and you can just put that in the subject line. I mean, if you want to say more to me, you definitely can. But I just kind of want to gauge interest. It's something that we would be starting, you know, first quarter 2019. But shoot me an email and let me know if you would be interested and what um, city you could attend in. And it was, it's just Nicole at ReaderlyMag.com. So um, until then, keep following along with Gail and I as we read books together. Because I'll probably go on and read that book that you're talking about. Which one? So that we oh, can discuss it here. Cloud in the Shape of a Girl. Even though I, I, you know, I hate the cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cover's not good. Um, which, uh, what are you reading right now? So right now, I'm reading An American Prison. Or not An American Prison. I think it's just American Prison by Shane Bauer. And I think I talked about it briefly last week. He's the guy who had wandered into Iran mistakenly with his friends and, and ended up being in prison for two years. And this is about his stint for four months as a prison guard in Louisiana. Um, 
I can only read it a little bit at a time. He alternates between his experience as this guard and then just sort of looking at how the American prison system basically has its roots in in slavery and white supremacy and just a lot of explanations about how penitentiaries were created and how initially they wanted to, you know, not subject white men to the same thing that black slaves were subjected to. So just sort of the different types of prisons and how they were created and how we got our system today. And, you know, the statistics behind that, and it's a pretty grim story. So I tend to read it during the day because I don't like to read (laughs) disturbing things, you know, like have heavy stuff on my mind. I like mm-hmm. to read it during the day so it can get diluted by anything else. And it's not like the topic of my dreams. Right. So that's what I'm reading. Um, I'm listening to The Heart's Invisible Theories by John Boyne. He actually has a new book out this fall, which sounds amazing as per John Boyne, because I really love his books. I'm listening to The Heart's Invisible Theories. I think I said it's like 22 hours. I probably will not finish until the end of this year. And then I'm also reading The Witch Elm by Tana French, which is her new one. It's a standalone. Um, it's classic Tana French, you know, like an absorbing storyline where you really get involved with this character. And so I can't wait to report back on that. I'm sure I'm going to read it pretty soon. And then I have a batch of books that I'm going to be starting. You know, I'll probably finish up a couple of these over the next week. So I should have more. More for you next week, but it's going to be John Boyne for the rest of this year on audio. <laughs> nice. Unless I surprise us somehow. So did you have any books that you wanted to mention that were going to be coming out in the next couple of days? No, I don't have anything new since last week. i um, trying to focus on what I've got to finish now. Do you know um, what I found out about the uh, Haruki Murakami book? Hmm. It's, it's like a great Gatsby Loose Great Gatsby retelling. Oh. It's like 800 pages, and now I'm desperate to read this. It's so funny. I have no interest because I've never read anything by him, and it's um, that's so long. I know. I know. I couldn't even turn the pages. I mean, I don't like to read. Right now, I'm trying to read all print and audio books, but 900 pages? I mean, where are you taking that book? Yeah, I literally have to like read before bed. I mean, you, it's not even comfortable to hold. No, no. Oh, wait, I have to talk about my obsession with Daisy six. I mean, Daisy Jones yes. and the six. I had made okay. a note to ask you about that. Okay. Okay. So, so okay. So can I give the background? Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Let me give the background on this. So Gail has now mentioned Taylor Jenkins' read a bunch on here because she mistakenly or somehow discovered one of her books, read it. No, not mistakenly. I read I read it about, from the library. Yeah, there were two books of, of hers that I read about this year that looked really good, so I read them both. Didn't um, realize that she had tossed one that she had got. She had give, gave away one that she got. And yes. now she Daisy Six is going to be this new book that's coming about. Yeah, Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah. It's coming out in the spring, right? It's coming out in, like, March. And so I learned about it, like, maybe this summer when I was, you know, on this Taylor Jenkins read kick. And so I read two books by her, After I Do and One True Loves. And then you read the little excerpt, which I want to read. And a little short story excerpt. The short yeah, story. 
came out like last week. Evidence of the Affair, I think it's called. So Gail has been texting me, asking <laughs> me if I have any contacts. How can we get this book? Like, this has been the subject of a couple yeah. of texts. Like, how can I get my hands on this book? I've tried this. What else should I try? And then you had gotten it on Edelweiss? Well, yeah. So, uh, you know, a neck alley. And people are, um, people are like crazy for this book on this other book club that I'm in, a Facebook book club that I'm in. And people like everyone's all they can do is talk about it. How can I get my hands on it? So I emailed the publicist and, um, she, uh, you know, she, finally she was like, well, I can send it to you on neck alley. So I have it now I've got it on my Kindle. So uh, you and know, Gail waiting. does not read on Kindle. I don't read on Kindle, but I'm going to read this on Kindle because I really want to read it. So I'm 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 putting it off because I want to savor it. So I want to wait till I really truly have the time for it. You're and it's also in, no, you're set up. Yeah, and it's not coming out to the spring, so it's not like I'm in a big rush to read it right the second. But I'm so excited that I actually have it. But you have to read it so we can know whether yeah, like, I need to know if I need to stalk some people in my life. Yeah, to try to get it. this book. Yeah, yeah. So I have it on Neck Alley, um, and yeah, I'm excited. So you also sent me like this little bit where it seems like people are just offering to pay for this book. Did you offer to pay for this book? No, 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 no. no. Somebody, um, <laughs> somebody posted in the Spivey Book Club something like, "I like I'm desperate to get this book. I'll trade anything. I'll do anything to get it." And then people were posting und- commenting underneath, like, "Yeah, you and seven thousand other people." <laughs> so I was realizing, like, just how crazy, like. So that, what you know, is what? I mean, give us your thoughts. Like, why? What is up with this? This sudden love of Taylor Jenkins, Jen, Jenkins Reed, and. I don't know. I mean, I people just people being I liked, willing to auction off their firstborn to get a copy of this she's book. Just Do you really think popular. it's like the the musical component? Because, like you, no, you know, a lot of, are a lot of people interested in. I mean, because it's a book about a band, right? No, I think people will read anything she writes. Like she's really popular. Wow. Yeah, I think it's her, not not the actual book, right? And they yeah. just know it's going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, and I think, like, Ashley Spivey read it and said it was amazing. Ooh. I don't know. Well, maybe I need to hunt down my copy of, you know, it has that girl in the, the she's in a green gown. I have the Evelyn Hugo one. Yeah. So maybe I just I'll took that out of the library. <laughs> get obsessed and we'll all be, like, just crazy over this book. Yeah. Well, I, I that's, like, can you that's... can you airlift me your Kindle so that I can read? It? <laughs> right. <laughs> Evelyn Hugo is the one I had at BA a few years ago and left behind because I was like, eh, old Hollywood. This doesn't look like interesting. And then all these people are saying, you know, people will post in Spivey Book Club like four different books. Be like, well, I'm about to get on a plane. Which of these should I read? Everyone's like, Evelyn Hugo. It's so good. So I just took that's backlist. So I just took that out of the library. So I have right. that too. All right. So. Um, I don't know. So, well, you're, you've been desperate to read these books. So I guess the last two books just really, they were really that good. They were good. Yeah. I liked them. I mean, they weren't like the best books I've ever read, but they're very readable and they got me engrossed very quickly. Okay. All right. Well, I think that Evelyn Hugo should be your treat once you're settled in. Yeah. Read it and hopefully, you know, by... I don't know. Maybe that'll be the book that you post a picture of yourself on the first day of the year with. So. All right. So let's talk again about um, book awards. So 
we were prompted to talk about this because of the National Book Award um, finalists. Right. Yeah, shortlist, which was announced uh, last week on the 10th. So um, just for uh, background, in case you don't know, the five books that are on the National Book Award uh, shortlist are A Lucky Man by Jamel Brinkley, Florida by Lauren Groff, Where the Dead Sit Talking by Brandon Hobson, The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, and The Friend by Sigrid Nunez. That's for fiction. And for nonfiction, we have The Indian World of George Washington, American Eden, which is about medicine in the garden of the early republic, Heartland, a memoir of working hard and being broke in the richest country on earth, which I have and I want to read, The New Negro, The Life of Alan Locke, or Alain Locke, and We the Corporations, How American Businesses Won Their Civil Rights. And then there's also poetry and translated literature and what they call young people, I guess, YA. So to give you some background on the National Book Award, I looked it up and it was created in 1950. They said to celebrate the best of American literature. And they also put in their mission statement that they want to expand its audience and ensure books have a prominent place in American culture. So that is their mission. And when I was looking at, I took a look at who is on the board of directors and it's lots of people who are in the book world, whether it's like VPs at publishing companies or um, people who are prominent in the book world, authors, and also people who own bookstores. And then there's Mm. private, there's private also private, you know, investments and people who are in banks and I guess, you know, people from all walks of life who have an interest in books, but it is very publishing heavy. And just to put some context, there's other um, famous prizes that get awarded every year. So there's the Penn Faulkner Award for Fiction, which comes out every year. There's the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. The Nobel Prize for Fiction, which actually was not given this year. And it was just announced that uh, Maurice Condé, and I love her book, I, Tichiba, the Black Witch of Salem, won an alternative prize that they set up because the no- the Nobel was not awarded because they had, like, this big scandal. And- oh, right. Now, the not being awarded had less to do with the field of books being evaluated and more to do with the judges, right? Yeah, it was like, um, I guess, 18 women stepped forward to accuse this man of sexual assault, and he was married to one of the board members of the Nobel Prize project. So they just felt like with everything that was going on, it wasn't going to be appropriate to create an award. And of course, it got caught up in some conversations about how those awards are decided and the criteria and patriarchy. So another, I think it was a Swedish organization set up an alternative prize since the Nobel was not going to be awarded this year and Maurice Condé won it. Oh, okay. All right, so we also have the Woman's Prize for Fiction, which used to be called the Orange Prize. I liked it when it was the Orange Prize. I know, I did too. I like the name. <laughs> and that used to be... Or is it, is, do they call it the Bailey Prize? Or was that a transitional um, name? That was a transitional name from 2014 to 2017. Now it's the Women's Prize for Fiction. Mm. And that is, I think it's for anything written in English. So usually it goes to someone from the UK or the US. 
Wasn't that the man booker? They made the switch to the man booker and people were like up in arms that it was going to include Americans because they felt like it would be too heavily American. I think Americans have won the last two man booker awards. Oh, you know what? You're right. The woman's prize, the orange prize, Bailey prize, same thing. <laughs> That's actually just UK. I was getting confused. It has to be written in English, but it has to be published in the UK. The man booker, you are right. That one... Um, is the one I think that was open to both and then people were up in arms. Yes. Um, and actually, did that come out today? Oh, no, the shortlist. Okay, so the shortlist is out, the Man Booker shortlist. So my feeling about these prizes um, is that I take a sort of passing interest in them, but I've got to be honest, I've usually read nothing on the list, maybe one, and there's often some stuff on there that I haven't seen before, so I'm sort of intrigued and curious. But they don't play much of a role in my reading life. Like, I've definitely seen people who are like, I'm doing the Orange Prize Challenge. Like, I want to read, you know, all the Orange Prize winners for the last 10 years. I've never done anything like that. And I don't, um, I don't use it as a way to, you know, fill out my reading list. I just kind of treat it as any other kind of source of input of reading stuff. Be, right. Right. Reading that might be of interest. I think that when I was in school, I paid more attention to these lists and I was more interested in reading what was on these lists to think what I thought of them. Um, you know, I guess being that I was an, uh, an English minor and probably reading more of the books that are on these lists because I feel like people who are creating these lists, you know, these are not... I don't know, like the best mystery or whatever. These books typically are dealing with, I mean, just the titles for the nonfiction list. There is nothing fluffy about the nonfiction no. list. It is, you know, like things that relate to social change in the country, changing the environment, historical wrongs. Right. Um, I think last year, David Grant's book was on the long list. I don't think it won. And that was the one that I read, which, of course, was about the murder of Native Americans in 1930s Oklahoma for their for their land rights, Flowers of the Killer Moon. So, yeah, so these are not like light books that you want to read. These are they're not books that are, you know, to quote the name of our podcast, they're not readerly like no. <laughs> Readerly books are books that are accessible and that you can get into and they're easily discussed. And then I think there's writerly books, which I feel like are more the books that you see on these lists that sometimes require quite a bit of investment in order to extract meaning from them. Or they are, I don't know, just exploring difficult topics. Do you feel the same way about fiction as you do nonfiction with these? Not readerly? Um, pretty much. I mean, I think that fiction is just inherently sometimes more accessible in, in a way that nonfiction is not just because it's telling you a story and it's involving you in a narrative. So it could be difficult to access that narrative. But once the story draws you in, I think that you are drawn in. I do think that the topics can be heavier topics that, you know, if you're reading for pleasure or if you don't like, you know, these 
these fiction books tend to be heavily literary fiction. And a lot of them that I have read, it's interesting, I've read with a book club, you know, like like people who are seeking out these, seeking out books to have meaningful discussions around, as opposed to, you know, I just read the latest Ellen Hildebrand. It's, it's, you know, she comes out with one a year, you know what you're getting. So I think, I mean, when you think about the long list, in addition to the short list, it was An American Marriage, which did a wonderful job of a very difficult subject matter. And it was the talent of the writer that made it really accessible. But it was definitely exploring um, sort of deep cultural questions about our country. Right. Also, There, There by Tommy Orange, which is about the Native American experience. It looks at the lives of Native Americans who are going to be attending a powwow and just, you know, um, what's going on in their lives and what issues have been affecting these lives that I don't think we get to see a lot of stories from. I'm glad that we're getting to see more. But, you know, I I definitely think a lot of these books are choices that you have to reach for and say, I want these things. Right. Do you think that these awards make a big difference in terms of sales? Um, I, I don't think so. Maybe within a particular community. But then I think that, you know, the people who are going to be interested in these lists are limited because how, I mean, if I'm just looking for a casual book to read, and I want it to be really good. I might not necessarily want to be picking up there, there, or the great believers, which is, you know, about, so do they hurt sales? <laughs> I don't think they hurt sales because I, I definitely, I don't think they hurt sales as much as they're for such specific population mm-hmm. that the sales bump that they're going to get are going to be within that group of people. You know, I don't think the people who are reading one book a year are going to necessarily be picking up these books or, or excited about the fact that they've won an award. Yeah. Because I think for some people, these prizes are, you know, they're sort of pretentious. Yeah. I do think for an author, though, to win is probably a great thing for the resume. Yeah. I mean, it's it's prestigious and it, you know, maybe puts them on the map if they weren't already there. It elevates them above their peers. Who? And well, elevates pres- them for who? Because- so probably for their agent and for their publisher, Like, I think it's, that's why I say it's good for the resume. Like, it's good for the professional side, gets them attention. It's sort of... I think maybe professional side, maybe in terms of fellowships. I mean, I think in terms of things that readers don't care about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think it does anything for their readership. Right. But, you know, like, if you are getting invited to be a visiting professor somewhere or something like that, or... I'm looking at and, the and last... these prizes come with money. Some of them, yeah. Actually, one of the things I wanted to raise was the MacArthur Prize because there was an author who got it this year, and that comes with a lot of money six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The MacArthur, you know, this, the Genius Grants, the secret awards that sort of come out of nowhere, and then <laughs> which I think are just the most fascinating things. Um, I think it would be amazing to get a Genius Grant. So. I'm pulling up the last 10 years. Now, is that just in literature, MacArthur, or do they have a number? No, 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 no. They have, I think they give out a certain number of a year, like 25. And, like, it's such a cool process. Like, they get, uh, people can just nominate. They they do solicit nominations from, like, people all across the country. But you get 
you tend to get people who are trying to use their art or their energy or their brain for some power to improve the world. Now that's super broad. So you might mm-hmm. get an artist who is informed by like themes of social justice, or you'll get a lawyer who does, you know, immigration law, or you get a scientist who is working on some small piece of environmental progress, you know, so like they have it's, to be doing good. They have to be doing good because it's the MacArthur foundation and they're, you know, they're giving money to people, but And the great thing is you don't have to spend that money in any particular way. You know, you could keep the money. Like maybe you've devoted your life to your craft and you've got debts and you've got a family to support. That's fine. You just, um, you just get the money, no strings attached. And apparently it's really cool. They call you like two or three weeks before it's announced and you're only allowed to tell one other person. (laughs) And, um, you read these interviews with people who get it and they think it's a joke. Like they get this phone call. They're like, we just want to tell you, you've won a MacArthur genius grant. And they're like, what? You know, they, they think, how do you know who I am? And I mean, these people are really obscure. So no, it's definitely not limited to literature. Um, so but it's I like think publishers clearing sweepstakes. Yes, when they when show up at your shows, house. They show up and let you know. Yes, they show up at your door with a huge check. Um, so I just pulled up the um, last, I'm trying to find the last 10 years of the National Book Award winners. And I'm curious to know, if there's we've read any well, and if just well, if we've I, read any I took a look through. I mean, definitely on the long list, I was rooting for an American marriage, but I really would like the great believers to read it because I mean, those two books are some of my favorite of this year. Actually, I was surprised by how many national book award winners I had read or people who are on the long list. I feel like the Pulitzer list and maybe the Nobel list is a lot more uh, obscure obscure well or i'll say isolating like the books on there are just books that you'd be hard pressed to just work into like you really want to work for reading (laughs) yeah what um where can i i'm trying to find the list of the last 10 who won the book award i'm not seeing it um because i'm stuck in wikipedia which is not always the easiest you're on Wikipedia? Yeah, well, if you go to the national, if you go to nationalbook.org and then it says browse by year or current awards by year. Oh, there we go. Browse by year. You. Okay. So I'm just looking at the last 10 or so and I've read two. Really? The last 10 years? Yeah, I've read uh, Redeployment. Which and one, I, right? Which one, 2014. Oh, yeah, I'm only looking at the winners. I'm okay. not looking at the long, yeah, I'm just looking at winners. And I've won Cold Mountain. I can't believe that one. That was 10 years ago, 2007. So in two, 2017, Sing Unburied Sing by Jessamyn Ward won. Mm-hmm. And I have all her books, I feel like, on my list of things to read. There was Same. an interesting article that came out about her books, about them being completely inaccessible and, you know, like the darlings of... Of these awards and prizes and attention, but her books are just not, I guess, structured so that readers, yeah, people find them inaccessible. I have, (laughs) she's one of those writers that I have not, like, I've tried to start her books and just haven't gotten any place with them. Yeah. I have, um, who's Sing Unburied Sing? Zadie Smith. Her books. 
I feel like they win lots of prizes and, you know, they get a lot of buzz and they're supposed to be so good. I read Swing Time, which I really enjoyed, but her others I've just never finished. Like, I think I read the one South by Southwest or Northwest or something directional. Yeah. I've and not I've, read anything by her or, or Jessamyn Ward. And I have all of Jessamyn Ward's. I've picked them up at BEA, Men We Reaped, Sing Unburied Sing. And I, I want to read them and I just never do. I don't know why. I think maybe like I'm daunted by that, like critics darling element to it that I worry they won't be readerly. All right. Well, I think that for, for 2019, it should be a goal of ours mm-hmm. to read one Jessamyn Ward book. That's fine. So who else? So Manhattan Beach was on the long list. Did you read that one? Nope. Jennifer Egan? Nope. I haven't read it yet. I've heard mixed, very mixed things about it. Yeah. I, I feel like Jennifer Egan's books, they're very hit or miss for me. They're like Andrew Sean Greer, which I finished his last book less. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't mentioned that on the podcast that I finished it, but I was reading it for a book club. I really didn't like it that much. Mm-hmm. I think How it come? just won the Pulitzer. It did. It was a comic novel. <laughs> well, let me ask you something. If it hadn't won the Pulitzer and you approached it as a comic novel, do you think you would have enjoyed it more? No, I wouldn't have read it. I don't like comic novels. Ah, uh, so it wasn't a lack of expect that, that your expectations weren't met. It was that it's just not your type of book. No, you know, and I won't say that it, it was a drier sort of humor that I would have appreciated, but it took a long while to get into the book and see where it was going. And then it had funny elements, but I don't, it just felt like a slog to read that book. I would not have finished it if it was not for book club, but I'm really hit or miss with Andrew Sean Greer's books. I hated the confessions of Mac to Max Tivoli, but mm-hmm. I really loved the story of a marriage. So mm-hmm. And I think that he's one who, you know, he plays with his presentation of work. I mean, I really like his the subject matter that he addresses, but his execution, I think that he takes an artist's perspective of it, which is really great, and he writes in different ways, but I'm not guaranteed to love everything. Like, I'm always super interested when he has a book come out, but it's 50-50 on whether I'll enjoy it or not. Right. And I feel like he probably got that award this year. I don't think that there was anything amazing about Les. I feel like he probably got it as a culmination of everything that he's written. Yeah, I think that, that may be the case. I think he was even surprised that he won. <laughs> and he took pot shots at the Pulitzer all throughout that book. That's hilarious. So maybe it was sort of insidery. They felt appreciated, and they're just like, we have to give him this book. But I feel like it was for... And one of those awards, they switched it so that you could win it for the particular book. And it might have been the Pulitzer that used to be, it was for your body of work. Hmm. That's probably what, it, what was going on there. The Underground Railroad won for a National Book Award in 2016, which I read and really liked. But a, that, that book was so polarizing. I feel like you either loved it or hated it. And there was yeah. no in between. Another Brooklyn um, by Jacqueline Woodson was long listed that which I, I don't read. I don't think that it that it did win into oh wait maybe that's um oh I see I was clicking some of these are fiction and nonfiction I've got these okay news of the world by Paulette Giles I feel like is such a 
um, one of these books that is right up the alley for awards. I found it so, so difficult to get through. I mean, it was a good book and it was beautifully written, but it was also like half of me was going, could you speed it up just a little bit? <laughs> um, you know, Jessamyn Ward has won this two years. She won Salvage the Bones in 2011. Yeah, she's... That's pretty impressive. So Imagine Me Gone was long listed in 2016. And you read that and didn't like it, right? I started it and I did not like it. Right. Yeah. I could not get through that book. There's another book here, Miss Jane by Brad oh, Watson. I read that. I feel like you, you did read it. I knew you I did wanted read to read it. What was that yes. about? Um, it's about this girl who is born in the... Oh, I don't know, 1800s or something, or early 19, early 1900s maybe. And she has like a physical condition where her female organs are not fully formed correctly. And so it's all about her life and how she's kind of forced to live this incredibly um, isolated and lonely life by the fact of this f- physical condition that she has. And they don't have enough money for it to be fixed. And it's you know, so long ago that she, at the time she's a kid, like they, the the medical technology is not advanced enough to be able to do the surgery where today, of course, that would be commonplace. And it's just, it's this sort of story about her interior life and, you know, how she gets through her life and the, the happiness she is able to find. It's very sad, but not I mean, I mean, it's sad and interesting at the same time. It's kind of a quiet book. I really like that. I was surprised to see it on here because I don't think it got a ton of attention. And maybe that's how I heard about this book. I don't remember. But I did like it. So, so yeah. So Join our I, Facebook group. I think yeah. we should start a post on this. Yeah. Do you read them? And Do you read them? Which ones have you read? Which ones do you really recommend? Do you, do you agree with the winners? Like, who do you think is going to win this year, Gail? All right, so who's the – I'm going to go back to the shortlist again. Florida by Lauren Probably Bob. Florida, yeah. It, that seems to be the uh, the uh, the favorite. Um, I'm rooting for the Great Believers. I think I, I think you posted this on our Facebook page, the shortlist, and I said I'm, I'm really rooting for the Great Believers. I don't know. Florida is short stories. I don't know. It's hard. She could win for the Lauren Groff factor. I wouldn't give it to – I mean, they were short stories, and they were super dark, and they were well-written short stories, but there's, and I guess they had a a predominating theme of violence against women and people against nature. Mm. Well, that's timely. Yeah, Yeah, it's very timely. She could win. The Friend by Sigrid Nunez, I... It was one of those books that looked interesting, but at the same time, it was just about a woman who uses this dog to help her overcome like grief that, you know, I think someone's died and she has to take care of the person's dog or this dog helps. And I just couldn't with the animal aspect. Yeah. I'm reading the review of that now, their description of it. Yeah. I don't know. None of these really seem that like, I think it's appealing except for the great believers, which I, if the great believers won. Yeah. And that's on my list. I have that at home. I think I tried to suggest that for book club and it didn't get picked. Um, so I'll have to wait and read it on my own. Um, the A Lucky Man is also short stories. 
Uh, it's issues of race, class, and masculinity across three decades of New York City's history. Hmm. Actually sounds kind of interesting. I know. That sounds like something I would like to pick up. Yeah. I think that one looks like something I would maybe want to pick up too. But again, I'm not like racing out to get any of these. I mean, except the Great Believers, which I already have. So, yeah. Not a big like influence in my reading life, I would have to say. So, I'm not going to catch you racing to finish. <laughs> no. The Orange Prize list winners so that you can wait. And some people really do do that. I think that's dedication because some of these long lists are, are you know, you yeah. have not a lot of time to read them. And some of them are pretty extensive. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, all right. Well, with that, we're going to sign off. So until next week, happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.